2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com.
1: Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everyone, Chris here, your favorite Mediocre Canucks podcaster, and I have a deal exclusive to the listeners of C4. Rocky Mountain Barber Company, a Canadian men's grooming company, has partnered with us to provide you a discount on some of the best men's grooming products on the market. They use fresh, natural ingredients, they provide a 100% satisfaction guarantee, and even offer freebies with every order. I've personally been using their Sandalwood shaving cream for well over a year now, and I am blown away by the quality of the product, let alone the quality of the shave. Even my wife has commented on how smooth my face is after. Now, Whether you live in Canada, the United States, or even the United Kingdom, Rocky Mountain Barber can get you their quality products without too much trouble. Simply head to RockyMountainBarber.ca, take a look at their catalog, and when it comes time to check out, make sure to use the code LightForce5. That's LightForce with the number five to score yourself a 5% discount. 6.5%,
0: 6.5%, was it? Is, is that what the current odds are of the Stanley Cup? Well,
1: and you if you look at the round-by-round round progression, the Stanley Cup favorite uh-huh. is the Vancouver Canucks.
0: Like, what a time to be alive! I- Talking you through every goalie
2: controversy, scoring slump, and draft lottery bust, this is the C4 Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Here they are, the best starting lineup we could afford under the salary cap. Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Welcome to another
1: episode of the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast. I am Chris at Lightforce, joined virtually by Anna Forsythe at a Matt Mattley at Matley underscore 61, continuing to remain unfit to podcast, but spoken about quite a bit on Instead of the Anthems are pre-show exclusive to all of our patrons is adam obanel carter at adam foc that's right it is c4 you've been waiting two weeks to hear from us unless you were a patron who chose to listen in and you got to hear ann and i talk about music but this is the first time you get to hear matt in like almost a month it's crazy or should i say brad isbister
0: yes today's uh former Canuck Cult Icon of the Week, as we are going to now call it, Canuck Cult Icon. By the way, taking nominations as to who you want to see as the Canuck Cult Icon of the Week uh, for every episode. Every episode, we're going to uh, have my name be uh, a Canuck legend of sorts, uh, you know, Tom Sestito, uh, Tanner Glass. The, uh, Is Tom
2: Sestito a legend? Uh, I or, uh,
0: that's okay, prom Sestito, by the way.
1: Have you have you not been on social media as of late?
0: Oh yeah, he's gone off the rails.
1: Okay, I but was gonna say, can't... like
2: honestly, he always had that capability. He was yeah. yeah. He was on I mean, the edge. I, I, I,
0: regardless of who he is as a person, I'm I'm saying this per is as, as a player first and foremost, like Jeff Cowan. Like give me give me your, your your nominations for who you want to see as the Canuck cult icon of the episode. By the way, is uh, Todd Bertuzzi uh, living in Vancouver yet?
2: Yeah, I see right back. What a okay. lunatic!
1: We're 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 not a podcast that gets too deep into politics, but a lot has changed since we last recorded an episode. It feels and, a lot brighter here uh,
0: than it did uh, two weeks
1: ago, I should say. Prior, not prior, literally
2: brighter in Matt's case because he's still in his dark cave room. Yeah, um,
1: Todd. Seem to believe that Vancouver would be a place that he should come and live if um, Joe Biden were not to be elected the president of the United States. Uh, Joe Biden is currently the president-elect of the United States, albeit there seems to be some uh, dispute on one side of the political spectrum about its validity. What was Todd thinking? Like uh, we just elected in our province a quote-unquote socialist government
2: for the like, second time well i'm gonna say time and a
1: half because they they didn't okay. technically get they didn't get the they okay but, governed, was, but you know what i mean i know what you mean but this is the thing like
2: i mean as i said to someone over the weekend we have our crazies and we get snooty in canada but we have so many crazies here but vancouver is a pretty liberal bubble
1: well vancouver specifically yeah like you like to look at the left coast well we call ourselves the left coast in the left side of like the extreme left. Um, But like when you compare the political spectrum from the United States to Canada, it is like the, the, the political barometer.
2: There's so much that goes into that, but them having two parties is just like crazy idea. Anyway, we won't get too far down the line, but I just think there are so many people that just after their career they can't take being out of the spotlight. So they put themselves in the spotlight and it's not mm. always a good thing for their reputation to remain in the spotlight. This is true. This is true. Uh,
1: back on, uh, Canucks though, uh, not a whole lot's been going on in the world of the, uh, the Orca. I mean, it's, let's be honest, there's still question marks as to whether or not the 2021 season will kick off on January 1st as uh, and Gary Bettman had so hoped when, uh, the draft took place, but uh, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, the Vancouver Canucks, whether they're better or they're worse and and ultimately break things down across the team. There's some other odds and ends that we'll throw in and uh, whatnot, but uh, let's not uh, take any further of your time. Waxing on politics no we instead are going to go and talk about the canucks you're listening to the c4 canucks hockey podcast on canuckshockeyblog.com and the full press coverage network (laughs) off season so far you know i i'm going to go and walk back a little bit here i think in past episodes in the moment, I myself felt the Vancouver Canucks had not done well, but having had an opportunity to breathe a little bit, while I might not be happy with all of the moves or non-moves, I'm not too upset.
0: Yeah, like, I was going to say, like, I think this is a the perfect time to sort of check in on your feelings as a Vancouver Canucks fan. Um and that's why so we're sort of having this conversation, just because, like, time has sort of come and gone. You've had a chance to sort of look at the moves that were made by the Vancouver Canucks, the moves that were made by the rest of the NHL, um, and sort of take a take a like, a like longer look at the picture. And, like, I wanted to sort of gauge your guys' reactions and see if your guys' perspectives have changed. And in the case of Chris, um, and I'll let Chris speak furthermore on his point, his have changed. And Anna, how has... Have your perspectives changed at all or not really?
2: Not really. I mean obviously you're taking a beat and you're able to look at everyone else's off season and has anyone got like markedly better? But the I guess my problem is that we literally enriched one of our neighbors. Not just did they have a better off season than us, but their good off season came at our um expense benefit expense thank you you're Um, welcome (laughs) you can do the maths words good good job um so yeah that's hard to take i don't know if it's changed i never said it was a disaster and i definitely don't think it's a disaster now but it doesn't change for me that i think there was some missteps in there
0: Chris, do you want to go with your thoughts? You mentioned again right off the hop that you've had some time to think about it. And it's gone from being a maybe dumpster fire to a smoldering trash can fire at this point.
1: Well, so like I, I, I was, yes, you're probably in the, you're right. I was in sort of the dumpster fire camp. You know, if we think about better or worse, are the Vancouver Canucks better now than they were? At the end of the season, no, no, they're not. I mean, there's. I don't know anyone who can go and say they are, and if they are, like, to to what parameter are you applying to to make that statement? I mean, there's far too many. Like, let's look up front. Let's break this down up front in the forward line. Where have the Vancouver Canucks gotten better?
0: They haven't. The, the no, clear, exactly. the clear, um, uh, in and out piece is Tyler Toffoli up front on the forward group and losing Tyler Tofoli is a top six player clearly does not make her forward group better. It definitely makes it worse.
2: And then on top of that, you lost Tyler Tofoli light in Josh Levo for a cheap well, contract.
1: And I, you know, we talked about that in the last episode. like Josh Levo's departure was painful, but I'm willing to give the Vancouver Canucks a pass. Yes. He signed in Calgary for a cheap, um, but I, if you think that Josh no longer has his game fine, but the Tyler Toffoli loss is the bigger one. Oh, for sure. I think in 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 adding the equation together, like what is it that we've heard quite consistently? Josh Levo said it. Uh, Toffoli camp essentially said it. Is that well, we were wanting to be in Vancouver, but the team was too busy.
2: Yeah, I'm paraphrasing. I think that's the more comu- um frustrating thing, um, troubling thing. I think is the lack of communication. Um, and I think we mentioned this on the previous podcast, but yeah, I just think the soft skills, not that they're easy to get right, but like they're definitely not the most complex part of the job.
1: Yeah, The thing though, as to why I temper this sort of fire, like what sort of put it out. The Vancouver Canucks were in a difficult cap position. And I mean, this is something that would be no surprise to anyone that's been following the team. We've been talking about this on this podcast for for quite some time prior to even the sort of postseason that went on and everything that entailed in free agency in the draft. Vancouver Canucks were in a tough spot. We had presumed at one point that they were only going to bring back one of 10 of Toffoli and Markstrom. They unfortunately brought bad zero there. So that's a problem. But we had sort of come to the, Belief that Toffoli was likely the one that was going to go. So then I started rethinking this and like, well, am I more upset about the zero there between the the top three, and that's why it's a you know, bad, 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 bad. Or is it that you know it's Toffoli? And I think it was the top, like the loss of the three, not the actual loss of Toffoli. I'm not happy that Toffoli's gone, and there hasn't been this improvement. But you know, looking at the the forward line, it's it the loss of Toffoli does not make that team completely fall apart
0: the other thing I was going to ask about this is how much does the fact that Tyler Toffoli really in the grand scheme of things played eyeballing it maybe 12 games as a Vancouver Canuck he played a handful before or after the trade deadline rather and before the pause but really only played about by my count three or four playoff games um, during the Canucks' playoff run you know does that change anybody's opinion on how good of a player Tyler Toffoli was, or at least how important he was to the team? Because again, if you're playing the majority of your playoff games and having that success without Tyler Toffoli, are we overstating Tyler Toffoli's importance at all?
2: I do see what you're saying. And I don't want to go back on what I've said, because I think I had kind of resigned to losing Toffoli. When we were in the pause there and um, before we would got going on playoffs, I kind of thought, you know, his 10 regular season games might be it for him and he might go back to LA or move on somewhere else. Um, and I don't want to overstate his importance, but I think if the playoffs showed us anything, it really showed us what a sh- like, interesting and exciting team Canucks are, but what shallow depth they have. Mm-hmm. Because if you think of those... Last few games against Vegas, like, honestly, the whole Vegas series, it was tenacious, but offense dried up so quickly. And if it wasn't for that stellar performance um, by Demko, yeah, we wouldn't have got to game seven, that's for sure. Well,
1: if I, I mean, going back to the trade deadline, I think it would have been fair to say everyone thought Topoli was a rental. Like, the anger was not the Toffoli acquisition per se. It was that, why are the Canucks renting? Yeah. And then we have the pandemic.
2: Espe- especially when it, like, okay, it's not their fault that it, the pandemic, but oh, no, 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 it didn't no, no, actually no. move the needle, having Tyler Toffoli were out of a playoff spot when the pandemic hit.
1: Yeah, you know, pandemic occurs, and suddenly it's like, oh, my goodness. Um, you're right. And at your point, like, we <laughs> we just rented a player that we're not going to get any value for Postseason occurs, uh, Vancouver Canucks get themselves in the play and get through, uh, and suddenly, you know, to has a few games before he gets hurt. But I think what started to really move the needle as to why, you know, people became more upset about to was that he had actually said, I kind of want to stay in Vancouver. I really like it. I like what's going on here. And by all accounts, there was a deal to be had, now, what did he sign for in Montreal? Well, I think that could have been done in Vancouver with a little creative math. It wasn't like the the amount was obscene. The contract itself was a reasonable contract. There were no crazy ups or downs. In fact, Vancouver might have been able to make it, you know, creative enough to make it work in a cash, you know, short environment. But in regardless, that ship sailed. So I think when I look up front, Yes, the Vancouver Canucks did not get better. You can argue they are worse. But are they critically bad? No, because I think we'd already come to the realization when he was acquired, Toffoli is likely not going to be here next season.
2: Yeah, you're right. And the thing with me saying he didn't move the needle, I do think he improved the Canucks when he was on it in the regular season. I think um, he found some great chemistry playing with that top line. Um, but yeah, Canucks just mainly their defense, but overall as a team, what they came to rely on was goaltending. So in that spot, Thatcher Demko was thrown into, um, injured Marksrow's place both times in the like regular season and the playoffs. And that came to be the difference and that Demko took a while to adjust in the regular season. Um, so you're right in that there are other factors that may affect the team's performance more, but it doesn't change the fact that we have a gaping hole in our top six.
1: Yeah, true. But I, that's where I think, I think the Canucks were going to have that regardless. Like how, how are they going to go and, and fill that hole in free agency? Like even, even if Toffoli wasn't a rental. Let's say the Vancouver Canucks never actually acquired Toffoli. They're essentially in the same position
2: they are today. But it's just like we could have made it work for Toffoli Montreal money. True. But yeah, I guess what do we do with that spot?
0: Well, for sure. But let me – and again, you know what? I don't disagree with any of the points that are being made here, but – Let's say the Canucks find a way to move out the money needed to bring back Tyler Toffoli. Then you have Brock Besser and Tyler Toffoli occupying your top two right-wing spots. Um, arguably, you have Jake Vertanen there. You could probably say it's a yes or no. Um, but then you got Vasily Colson coming up in the ranks as well. I mean, there's a lot of faces in the right-wing slot and not a lot of spots available. I mean... It, where's the room for tyler tofoli really if you bring him back i mean sure it's a, it's a huge stretch to put jake vertanen in your top 6 at right wing but at some point vasily podkolzin is earmarked for a top 6 right winger spot
2: you're right but i think i do think him making the team would be a stretch i do think they want to get him to north america and out of um the khl and monitor his development a bit more, but unless the AHL season gets cancelled, I really don't see him pushing for a spot like on the team just yet. You think so? Um I mean he could, but I just think I don't think he's gonna be occupying a top six spot mm-hmm. right away. Fair
0: enough. Yep. No 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 you're so probably right.
2: There would be space in the bottom six for him. And if you have to push Jake Vatanen down, then, like, that's a good problem to have.
1: Well, you say he's not going to fit into the top six, but out of necessity, might he? Because I mean, we've seen the Vancouver Canucks in a position before where players who you would not argue fit in the top six find themselves there on a regular basis well, without injury requiring it.
2: Unless we can find a really, really cheap top six placement like Josh Levo had the potential. Mm-hmm to be um then yeah it's gonna be jake or louis really that we're well, looking at right now
1: and regardless of potential or finding someone right now the vancouver Canucks are in you know cap trouble they're oh. they're they're all in it for the moment unless Actually, something
2: happens. didn't you hear here we won the cap situation by a lot
1: oh we did <laughs> Must have been all that fake cap.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, stop counting the the, the salary for, the the, cap? for yeah, Louis stop. Erickson.
1: <laughs> stop stop counting count.
0: Louis Erickson's salary.
1: Let's let's move on to the, the, the blue line. So the blue line, there's been a lot of consternation, and that was because I don't think anyone in their their mother thought Chris Tanev would not be a Vancouver Canuck. There was some worry about Markstrom. Oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to afford Markstrom. The thought was Toffoli, he was just a rental but good old reliable Chris of he'd be patrolling the blue line and helping Quinn Hughes become a better hockey player for years to come. That is not happening. Now instead, the Vancouver Canucks went and found themselves a very, you know, reliable defenseman in Nate Schmidt. Granted, probably could have got him for a better deal than they did. You know, there is some argument to be had there. But when you think about it, Nate Schmidt on the blue line isn't bad in my mind yeah okay you were paying three defensemen six million essentially um you know next season but edler comes off the books after that i can't imagine edler is going to be back in vancouver unless he comes back like dirt cheap you've got nate schmidt in in myers essentially your top two now the argument that might be made is well wait a minute you know quinn's gonna need to get paid yeah but i, I quinn's do you foresee Quinn getting 6 mil next season or not, you know, season next? I don't think so. Right? Is so, I mean, more he's going to get less. Well, I think he's getting less, but I think, you know, he's he's getting like more than he is now. Like there's going to be that considerable well, yeah. increase, but I don't see him like if the Canucks get him for that number, like he would have had like this next season, whenever that might be, he'd have to be like lights out.
0: Uh, have we not seen Quinn Hughes highlights in a oh, while? No.
1: Well, no, no, but so like, but this thing is soft. Sophomore players, which Quinn will become, don't always perform the you know the extent okay, that they but have in their
0: question. Um, to be fair, Quinn Hughes is not like most sophomore players.
1: No, uh, we hope not, and I don't think he is. But I'm not going to go and start you know handing out meal ticket contracts to a young kid who quite frankly doesn't have too much you know room to negotiate now mm-hmm. he's not you know black hole free agent to like uh, Gadette was where he has absolutely no you know position of strength to negotiate from i
0: mean but
1: if for the Canucks <laughs> to lock him up at that amount of money look let's let's actually think about that if the Vancouver Canucks are going to go and lock him up at that much money that means that they're also going for term are they right. not and that would then lead me to think that they're they're like oh my goodness we can't let Wayne Gretzky go.
0: Well, for the record, and this could be a discussion a whole other day. Is I I do think that Pedersen and Quinn Hughes are taking bridge contracts after this upcoming season, whenever that might be. Um, just given the flat cap and the uncertainty with you know contracts and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I I think the more i think about it the more i'm starting to believe that the likeliest outcome for those two players is to take bridge contracts to bet on themselves and to bet on the nhl recovering financially to the point where the salary, cra- salary cap increases and they're getting potentially double digit per year salaries
2: mm. mm-hmm. yeah um i agree what was it the original <laughs> I feel blue like line, we started
0: well. We, we were talking at, at the end of the day. Was the blue line better or worse now than it was at the end of the last season? I think
2: mean, it's worse. Obviously, really? is it?
1: I see. That's the thing is. I don't think it is. I actually. I think, think it's this better. is
0: the one area that got better over the off season.
2: I, okay. Here's my thing. I didn't want to pay Chris Tan of that contract. If he's going to sign that contract, I'm okay with letting him go. Nate Schmidt, good, at, really good at acquisition. My problem is that we're left with the same issue that we have in the forward group is that lack of depth. How do we fill mm-hmm. up? Like, I think we were talking about a couple months ago, a Utica player making the jump. Now we're just betting on at least one Utica player making jump so we can get a bargain bottom pairing.
0: Well, not just one. You're looking at possibly two Utica players yeah. making that jump into the bottom exactly. pairing. I mean, we're, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit later, but like, Oli Levy, Broken Rafferty. We were thinking one of those guys would be able to make the jump full time. Now you're looking at a situation where you might need both of them to make the jump full time.
2: Exactly. That's kind of my point. I and I'm talking. I think we've got um, some really good players in this top um, top two pairings, but without Troy Statcher, who was like a good fill in um, up the lineup at a cheap contract. Um and yeah, obviously we've lost a lot of um strength with Chris Tanner, but yeah, like considering the season he had, he would have, you know, he wouldn't have made it through a full season if there was a full season. So yeah, I'm okay with letting him go, but I just think if we're looking at the defensive unit as a whole, we're looking well, at the weakness at the bottom again.
1: Okay. So, but this then, see, this is where I I, I don't disagree. You're right. There is a, if we're looking at the, the blue line as a whole, there is a hole, like a literal hole that mm-hmm. needs to be filled. But if we think about you, the cumulative competency of players, Nate Schmidt, in my mind, is a superior defenseman compared to Chris Tanev. That I is not a you. knock against Chris Tanev. It's simply, I feel Nate Schmidt provides more than Tanov did. Now, Tanov and Stetcher. I'm I'm, you know, that's where I'm now start to wonder. I think Schmidt's maybe at best a wash between those two. But the problem is the two means there is this this physical. So I'll give you that. There is this physical hole. I just wonder if maybe there's an opportunity to actually give a Utica player a chance to say, hey, here's this. You know you'll play. We have a group of you. One of you is going to, you know, be the person to get that spot. We're going to try y'all out, but someone's going to get that spot. That that type of competition, I think, does bode well. If it doesn't work out, you know what? This next season is kind of going to be a wash season. We've already discussed that in the last episode. So why not have that tryout? I mean, it's it's Canucks Idol. I mean, Moonline yeah. I
2: I really think has the potential to be one of the most exciting camps in a long time. Um, yeah, with, you know, a top six spot potentially up for grabs, plus at least one Rosser spot for a Utica D-man, maybe two. Um, I think you're right. The potential is big, but you have to say that, like, the question was, has the blue line as a whole got weaker or stronger that? I'm still on the weak well, no, side. No, no,
1: it's, it's not weaker or stronger. It's better or worse. I feel better like. or worse.
2: Better. Okay. I still think Come it's on, worse, get it, right, but Anna. it has the potential to be better. You're right. Like, if these Utica players make the jump, like, if Rogan Rafferty is the offensive defenseman he's cracked out to be and filled, you know, some of the holes in his game in the neutral zone and the turnovers, um, you know, he had a rough camp, but he has so much potential. So yeah, it has potential to be better, but it's not.
1: Currently. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this back at you. If the Vancouver Canucks have brought back Taniv and Stetcher, is the Canucks I would have been mad. I'm better or worse?
0: I'm I'm not gonna lie. If you think but about not, it, I'm and, not
1: asking whether you're you're happy or mad. I'm I'm asking is it better or worse? God, if you well, we rolled back totally over but,
2: here, it's a so, tiny bit worse because Chris Tanev is a year older.
1: Yeah, it's the, the yes, exactly. the depreciation return, and that's sort of oh. where I think that's why I'm seeing better is we've gotten rid of the depreciation okay. return. Through an improvement, but that's fine. Matt, you wanted to say something?
0: I was going to say that I agree with you, Chris. It's like, let's not, like, we will never say a bad thing about Chris Tanov, like, as a person, as someone who was respected in the room, et cetera. But here's the harsh reality about Chris Tanov's game when Chris Tanov is out there, the Vancouver Canucks are chasing the puck an awful lot in their own zone. His game is built on smart stick play and shot blocks um chris tanev for the most part is a smart like safe pass get it out of the zone type of player but he's never been a possession player and he's only getting worse the fact that chris tanev played an entire season without missing any games due to injury is probably a half miracle what the Canucks are getting in nate schmidt is a guy who can actually drive play on his own and yeah the price tag to Pay Nate Schmidt his six million dollars salary. Not ideal. Nor is the third round pick that you're giving up for him ideal, really. But in Chris's and to Chris's point, this is a calculated risk on the Canucks's part that they are getting a player who makes them better now and for the next few years compared to Chris Tanev, who, as Chris said, was a depreciating asset.
2: Yeah, and I did just look up Nate Schmidt's injury history. Um, to have a good idea of where he was at. Um, he has a good um history of getting injured in the summer, which I have a feeling isn't so, him getting injured in the summer, but more playing through injury until the summer. Yeah.
1: I was gonna say, but, is he getting snake bit on the golf course? Because that would be worried.
2: <laughs> yeah. Although he did, yeah. No crackers for ago. you, Nate Schmidt. He did break a fibula in August. So oh. one time. So that is worrying but maybe stay off the golf course. Um, but overall, yeah. I don't think anyone has the same injury history as Chris Tanev.
1: So the uh, last position on the ice before we take ourselves social short break is the one in the crease.
0: Yeah. I mean, which one you of us what? is
1: going to say that that got better?
0: Well, I don't think any of us here are going to say it got better, but this might be a hot take. I don't think it got better. As worse as it was portrayed to be in the first few weeks of the offseason. Um, sure, you're you're losing Jacob Markstrom, who turned in what probably was, in all fairness, a Vesna worthy type of season. I want to bet great money, first of all, that Jacob Markstrom is not going to be able to replicate that for the rest of his career. What we saw last season is peak Jacob Markstrom, and I will be shocked. If we see anything come close to that n- next season, or in any a- season after that, Braden Holpe is a clear downgrade from Jacob Markstrom. Is he as significant as a downgrade? I don't know. I kind of want to see what Ian Clark can do with a full season or two of Braden Holtby. And if you're assuming that Thatcher Demko's improvement is linear. Maybe it doesn't make up the complete loss of Jacob Markstrom, but I think it does a huge part to at least mitigate the loss of Jacob Markstrom.
2: I mean I didn't much like with Tanev, I didn't want to sign that Markstrom c- contract. I'm glad we didn't. I think Demco has a lot of potential. I think he was slow in his development, but it's increased exponentially recently. Um I think he has a lot of issues still, um, but I do think he's very responsive to Ian Clark, he's a very good pupil from that perspective. I just didn't want to get carried away with him facing off against one opponent, um, under a great deal of pressure, don't get me wrong, um, but with a team that played better ahead of him than Jacob's Markstrom's decor ever did, um. But yes, I think patience is the key with Demko for sure, and yeah, maybe this takes a season. But I do think he's in a really good position with Holtby as a mentor, with Ian Clark guiding him. Um, I do, I don't know if Holtby will be as receptive to Ian Clark's methodology at the point of his career he's at, but I do yeah. think he's a good person to push. Demko.
1: I actually wonder about that. Yeah, you're right. I think a lot of it, it comes down to where does Holtby view himself in his career? Like him coming to Vancouver, I think he clearly understands that he is the, you know, ship that is simply getting the Vancouver connects to their next destination, that being Thatcher Demco However, if he wants to go and show his next team that he has still got some gas in the tank. I actually wonder if he views sort of Vancouver and the opportunity to show that he can sort of not reinvent his game, but find it because we're what, what two seasons away from like superior play in NHL. And even last season, even though his statistics weren't so hot, Washington has simply let every puck that was possible come his way. And he still stopped a metric ton of them. So, if he can do that in Vancouver cuz he'll have to let's be honest we just talked about the blue line the blue line's not stopping more pucks than it did last year but ian clark helps sort of refine that game so he can stop more of them that's good for him that's good in his next team whether it be seattle if he gets picked up in an expansion draft or the subsequent team down the road, or if the Thatcher Demko opportunity doesn't play out, maybe he stays in Vancouver. Maybe he stays beyond the two years and Thatcher becomes a asset that can be bounced somewhere else, like a Schneider for a Horvat, which, you know, at the time people were like, Oh my goodness. But Hey,
2: Hey, what Okay.
1: Yeah. I hear this Horvat kids, not that bad. Uh, we're going to take ourselves a short break. Uh, you are listening to the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast on com and the Full Press Coverage Network.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. Take hitting out of the game. You Un- can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The
1: unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on. That. No
0: kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never, ever did that before. Now, why did he do it, did that? Because he was mad. Well, your early favorite for the Calder Trophy, that's for sure. Elias Pettersson, you might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy.
1: Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty. Heat and play. He's going to
2: get a lot of power, play time, and yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200-point players, and we've got to find a way to score.
1: We just talked about the better or worse forward, defense, goaltending. But let's actually talk about the future. Which players, and we're talking about the kids here, which which kid faces the most pressure for the 2021-21 season? Well, uh pa- Matthews to play.
2: Picked someone not on his own list.
0: Well, I was going to say, yeah, Matt- Pod Colson wasn't on the list, but he probably would be facing a lot of pressure when he comes in too at the same time.
1: Sorry, what was the list, Chris? The, the list is Vertanen, Yalevi, and Demko, which works out well because you have a forward, a defender, and a goaltender.
0: Wow. What a great producer to have odds of that happening.
2: Ugh, so well planned.
0: Um my my first nomination would probably be be Jake for Tannen because I think anytime you're pigeonholing him for a potential top six spot in the absence of Tyler Toffoli, there is going to be an enormous amount of pressure. And not just because of the circumstances, but because of Vertanen as a player. Um, You know, a two-year deal, avoiding arbitration is great, but you get the sense that this is potentially the last contract that Jake Vertanen could get with the Vancouver Canucks if he does not show some significant improvement.
2: True. I, I mean, yeah, I think Jake's under a huge amount of pressure and he kind of has been for a while... Not so much in the spotlight, but we've often seen him crumble under pressure. And now he's got another season with a coach who doesn't like him very much, but (laughs) might have to play him anyways. Um, In a town where every single move is scrutinized. And yeah, so it's tough for Jake Batanen, but he's also going to be put in the best spot to succeed he could earn himself a top six spot like that's wide open for him he needs to if he steps up that's his so
1: matt will get this reference as will a few of our listeners and you might well I get it as well the fact that you just talked about jake for 10 and is coming back to a coach that doesn't like him reminded me of another young player charlie conway who found himself on a team with a coach that he felt did not like him in coach orion but really coach orion <laughs> Liked Charlie Conway, as you know, Matt tries not to die here. And once Charlie came to understand that he needed to mature as a player, Charlie then found a way to not only redo his game, but understand what Coach Orion was 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 trying to, to, to do. And as a result, I wonder if maybe Jake Vertanen is in that point in his career that Charlie Conway was when he went to the Eden Hall Academy.
2: Yeah, that's from The Mighty oh. Ducks, isn't it? Yep.
1: Oh, God.
2: Stupid.
1: I, uh,
0: I drank water and uh, I laughed when uh, Chris tried to compare Jake Vertanen to Charlie Conway. It was great. I mean, I, uh, no, wait.
1: But but you think about that, right? Like that. I mean, I know I'm talking about the movie, but that situation is something different. Like you had a player that really, did, you know, had his way, starts you know, doing his thing, being really, really resistant, and then comes around. I wonder if, if Jake Vertanen were to come around. I mean, which we all want him to do. Like we, if I know, like Hercules, I'll, you know, he always calls us out when we we and others take shots at Vertanen. I won't speak for anyone else, but I'm pretty sure the three of us want Vertanen to succeed. Why? Because a successful Vertanen is a successful Vancouver Canucks team.
2: Oh, yeah. Big time. Especially given, as we talked about, Black Hole top six. If Jake Vertanen can succeed this year and do something with that top six spot, like... You would find three happy podcasters here, yeah. for sure. We are rooting for him. Jake, we are rooting for you. Just download us down, please.
1: You know, you know. while we're, we're sort of looking at this list, like, Yalevi, like, what pressure is he truly under? I mean, he is at the point of his career where if he wants to, to break this roster, this is the opportunity to do it. Well, I mean, that's just it, under- isn't it?
2: Yeah, but that's th- what I think. He's not necessarily under pressure in the fact that if he doesn't perform Canucks, like well, have no options, but like considering his injury history, he's really at a prove himself point.
1: Yeah. But I, I don't like, I mean, I guess that that is pressure. Like he's at the point of his career where he needs to, this is it. Like, this is the opportunity. Like Jake, it, it's a different type of pressure. I guess you're, you know, maybe is what I'm saying. Um, but you know, I think Yalevi still has a, a life or two left, whereas, like, Jake, he's alive. It's like, this this cat, unfortunately, has to deal with, you know, the four legs that uh, he's got. I'm just running this metaphor dead here. But I, 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 to me, it's, it's maybe it's a different type of pressure. And it's not to it's the same, different. like, um, strength of pressure for tennis. Uh, Demko, I feel, has no pressure. He's got a Holtby in front of him.
2: I'm not saying... I don't think Demko has no pressure, but I don't think there's the onus on him to succeed in the same way that Markstrom did. And there's enough of a clear out in the blue line too that, you know, people will... I think people will realize what Markstrom... If they didn't already, what Markstrom gave to the Canucks and kind of see what support a goaltender needs Mm -hmm. to succeed. But... Yeah, I think I get Matt's point on your levy because people already think of him as a bust. And in a way, he is a bust. Like for his draft position, he hasn't succeeded in the way that that would signify. But and I just think Knucks fans are so ready to write him off and his whole career if he doesn't show up in camp, you know?
1: But that, you know but to me, okay, maybe there's some personal pressure there, but the bar is so low right now. Like the expect maybe like expectations aren't there. Yalevi could be an okay defenseman, and I think expectations have it as like, oh, that's a win. Vertanen can't show up and be an okay forward. Like expectations for him are much higher. And yet you'd think if he could just show up and be consistent and okay, would we be happy? I would like to think we would, but I don't think we will. If that makes
2: sense. Yeah, I get what you're saying, in that like people like Jake is on, you know, his last letter in horse. He's gotta make the shot and make it count. Or but
1: it's a much better analogy than thanks. what I was Yeah, that about. was much better.
2: But your levy, it's more from a career standpoint and personal pressure in that he could get very easily get forgotten. Mm -hmm. if he doesn't succeed now that's my point and i think matt's point but there's far more eyes and there's far more onus on jake to really step up
1: yeah
0: i I, um i was gonna say on the topic no no no. go ahead go ahead
1: i was gonna say like well yeah i don't i mean more i think about this yeah i'm no i'm i don't know Go ahead. I've lost my thought. I'm an old man. Obviously
0: the pressure's on Thatcher Demko here.
1: Oh yeah, totally.
0: Um no, you know what? I mean, at the, in the end of the day, I think we have the pressure ranked as it should be um for Tannen, Ulevy, and Demko in that order. If Demko falters, I, 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 you do still have Braden Holtby to fall back on.
1: Sorry, you were going to say. Like I wouldn't not not like with Demko, it's I, you know, on a three-person list, I place him fourth. If we're oh, thinking about pressure, third? like I just uh, well no, that's the thing. It's like I said on a three-person list and placed them fourth. That's sort of how I feel sort of the pressure should be allocated. Vertanen, Yalevi, eh, Demko. Oh, Chris I, is
2: trying to so Demko's the rule not even of
0: game. on the list, is what you're saying.
1: Well, if he if he if he makes it, it's just because you're yeah, there is some pressure you need to be, but like goaltenders take a lot longer to mature to what Anna had pointed out earlier. There is m- m- we need more. Like it's not like Demko had an opportunity and failed to take it. Right. He -hmm. was given an opportunity and arguably he took it, which is why we're having this conversation. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just, he's, he's got more to work with than, than the other two do for different reasons. Those other two are on this list.
2: I'm just going to make a very quick reference that only Trev Goldie will get. Um, but Jake Vatanen is the Canucks Joe Denley. He's failed upwards into position of power. And now it's like, he's batting for his life. He has to face a hundred balls or he'll lose his contract. Now that won't make sense to anyone, but I See,
1: I'm he- dropping the mighty ducks references that I would say a lot of people get. Man is dropping the cricket reference that, I don't get that reference. Yeah. Yeah, Jessica might get it too. I know oh yeah,
2: Jessica cricket. will get it. Yeah.
1: I didn't so, get Chris's I, reference. Whatever. You were spitting water out of your nose.
2: <laughs> Can I just say, like, that terrible movie, not only was I forced to watch the trilogy of it, but I I got this great hoodie in the mail the other day, um from Bring Hockey Back and designed by Taylor Stoner. It says Women Belong in Sports. It's a really neat hoodie, but they also sent me two stickers. And they were of Miracle and Mighty Ducks because those terrible movies continue to f- follow me around.
0: Wow.
1: You just name like the best movies. Well, no, I was going to say Mystery Alaska. Mystery Alaska the
2: is the best hockey movie. Fight yeah. me.
1: Mystery Alaska. I mean, I, I would have told you it would have been Slapshot for the longest time. Now I'm thinking Mystery Alaska of mm. knocks Slapshot down. Um, a little bit. Little bit, little bit off the rails here. Only like we were
2: already careering down the cliffside.
1: Um, Saved by the Bell has a reboot. I saw that, like, and uh, it's like the original cast got older, and it, the kids are their kids are going to Bayside or something. Anyhow,
2: yeah, that was honestly like
1: Screech isn't in it, but he has some issues he has to sort out. I think he might be incarcerated <laughs> right now, or if he isn't, he may
2: have to stay close to home um yeah saved by the bell is was not like the greatest show but you kind of watched it just almost because it was terrible
1: Mm -hmm. i just you know when when zach and kelly finally got together and then they went to get married and they had this sort of made for tv movies next level stuff also off the rails realize that there there was a it's it's an actual sports show on tv fox had it It was about baseball woman that was signed for by the I think it was the San Diego Padres was the fictional team to to pitch for them. And uh, Mark Paul Gossler was in he was the catcher. Essentially oh, more what, playing what baseball. movie is this? It's not it, so it was a TV show. It was is called, this pitch.
2: called Pitch. yeah. Oh, pitch. It, was it, was really, it, was it was a really, really I've yeah, it was really good. Yeah. it got solid the...
1: ratings and then
2: it Fox, got cancelled. Yeah. Fox cancelled it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to see that. Um by the way, your favorite um what's it called? Ted Lasso. Is getting mm-hmm. a lot of love in the UK right now. Because well, it's, it's, everyone it, hated that advert so much. It was so terrible. And then they're actually saying, oh, but it looks bad, but it's actually so good.
1: Oh, it is. Like I Seriously, Matt, do yourself a favor. Watch Ted Lasso.
2: It's on my list. Right. I just started Sunderland Until Sunderland I Die, though. So that's my sports show right. right now. Anyway. Back on back
1: topic-ish. Back on, topic, uh, ish. Back on um, the track. It's not on the list, but... Uh, matt shared it in, in c4 discord uh, earlier today um, the vancouver canucks uh, let a couple uh, staff members in their their pr department to uh, go um, the uh, thought is, is this is related to the pandemic which first of all i know a lot of people are, are going through some tough times and decisions are being made that affect you know probably some of our listeners where they're losing their jobs so i, I feel for you and. My wife had lost her job um, for a few months before she went back into a different role. But a follow-up question was asked of, of PJ, friend of the show, Patrick Johnston. And he had said that based on the conversations he had had is that on the non-hockey operations side of the team, there was an expectation that only 25% of people would remain. If I was reading that tweet correctly, 50 out of 200. Well, or was that 50 out of 200 being like, oh, like... but And he said that now, though, it might be worse. Like, that's a lot of people. We already I, know Derek Jory is not there. Yeah,
2: I... From my, like, people I talked to who work for the Canucks, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that was accurate, if not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as it, PJ said, worse. Yeah. I, like, it's...
1: I know the Canucks aren't the only team going through, you know, situations <laughs> such as this, but it, it, it's tough like it's tough you know. when
2: you see like that when you know that uh, your owners' net worth. I I'm, I'm not saying there should be an endless reserve of cash to give to the staff, but when you see it like getting gutted like that, um it's tough.
1: You know, long-time listeners of the podcast will know that there is this thought that the Vancouver Canucks are a, a a cash poor team. And what I mean by that, it's not that they don't have ownership support to spend to the the cap and to invest money in the team. It's that that they're very much able to spend the money they bring in. So if there's gate revenue, there's concession revenue, there's merchandise revenue, TV and all that they they have, they have almost like the ability to spend, spend, spend. The problem is when those revenue sources dry up, there's no like money saved in the bank for a rainy day fund.
0: Yeah, there there never seems to be when when the revenues when the money's coming in the revenue is good and everyone sort of benefits. But I think when hard times fall, it it falls pretty hard across the organization. At least that seems to be the belief. We don't have anything mm-hmm. to sort of back that up, but it seems to be like the long hell belief has been, if you go back to the '90s when the Canucks were even under previous ownership, that it would be very tough anywhere to be well, employed. That, okay,
1: there. yeah, but that that owner back then wasn't spent like they weren't a cap team or that, yeah. there was a cap but like that you know that was but a they weren't competitive nickel, either though no but it was a nickel and dime operation like the investment was whatever needs to be done to put enough players mm-hmm. on the ice and mm-hmm. keep the lights on and potentially get a bum or two in a seat mm-hmm. the thing though that I, I look back to is that nhl work stoppages under this current ownership group i think are indicative of what have happened so when the nhl work stoppage happened how many years ago now What's it eight at the top of my head the 2013 one yeah so seven um vancouver connect staff were were essentially put on reduced salary like they were i mean Uh you might say well there's nothing going on you're right but that's because again the rainy day fund doesn't because here is an owner who kind of knows it's going to happen like if the owner doesn't then i would kind of argue you weren't paying close enough attention if there's one thing that the family is not accused of is not being like hands on with Vancouver Canucks. So, but it, again, it, it it is what it is. It's just a tough tough thing to watch. Yeah, you know, people that we know have to experience, and I and I know it's not just the Vancouver Canucks. There's a lot of people that we know, listeners included, who are running into a situation that the pandemic is impacting your ability to stay employed. Um, so please understand. You know, I bring this up only because. I, I do believe that some people may not think about a team like the Canucks because the perception is, is oh, the Canucks have owners and the owner's not making money. Boo hoo. Well, the problem is, it's not the owners, it's the people the owner employs and what happens to them. Uh, any other quick hits that we wanted to touch on before we look to wrap up this episode?
0: Uh, Vasily Pod Colton is good at hockey.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, do you want to attempt how to say this tournament? Matt, like, take the a run Corolla at the cup. Is it Kerala
0: I don't know. That's my guess. Okay. The
1: Toyota Corolla,
2: Corolla cup. maybe. That yeah. sounds really like it's, Swedish. It's, eh? Anyway,
0: it's it's long perceived to be a uh, a tune-up for the World Junior Championships. Vasily Colson mm-hmm. was the captain of Team Russia in this case. Um, had a great showing. Played a lot of minutes. Was uh, entrusted in a lot of situations by the coach of the Russia team, Igor Lariana, former Vancouver Canuck. Um, If it's a harbinger of what the World Juniors are going to be, Vasily Podkolzin is going to have a very, very good tournament uh, in December, January.
2: Yeah. um, As any of you that follow friend the show, Cam Robinson, already aware that he had a beautiful, filthy, super smooth shootout winner against Sweden in that and yeah, ended up with five points, three games. Like, it's such a short tournament, but um, as Matt said, using his fancy words, his $10 words, could be a harbinger of things to come.
1: You like that, huh? See, we're being optimistic. We're he's positive. reading a,
2: his thesaurus again.
1: Yeah, well, that's uh, his all word I, all of all the day
2: the, toilet paper.
1: It, his head sort of sort of changes direction, goes, looks to the side like he is reading something. It probably is like a thesaurus he's flipping through. Either that or a dictionary to understand these English words we use.
2: Yeah, he's googling every other word. Yeah,
1: true.
2: So very um, acrimonious
0: statement coming from you, there, Anna.
2: Oh wow! Seriously, do you have word of the day toilet paper?
1: No, I don't. I really should. Word of the day calendar. But I have to ask, word of the day toilet paper. Like, how does that work? You use one square per you day. Yes, one square awkward.
0: at a time.
2: That'd yeah, I guess you, you sort of scroll maybe they're spaced as you, apart. As you pull, maybe they're spaced apart. Yeah. And if you have okay. a like particularly troublesome day, you might go through two words of the day.
1: Okay, I don't know what this <laughs> conversation's kind of got weird. <laughs> um, I was gonna actually go and talk a little bit about hockey and whether or All not right. you, the two of you, know what's going on down in Seattle. Anything, Anything going on down in Seattle that you're aware of?
2: I hear they're getting a team there. Mm-hmm. Those I've are the rumblings beneath the waters.
0: My I've spidey tentacles are tingly.
1: Well, the thing about the Seattle Kraken, which is the name of this team down the uh, the highway from us, Highway 99 or I-5, depending on your perspective, is that uh, they're getting a hockey team. There's some buzz. There's an arena being built. and us at C4 don't know a whole lot about what the hockey scene is like, specifically the NHL franchise they now have. So we figured, why not get ourselves a special guest in uh, in an episode to talk a little bit about the sound of hockey down in Seattle. And that's right, we have John Barr, one of the voices of the Sound of Hockey podcast, lined up to join us next episode to fill us in on all the details. So if you happen to be uh curious about the Seattle crack and you'll want to listen to next episode. I was about to say next week, but it's actually in two weeks' time.
2: That's a good name um, for an a podcast I have to say.
1: Oh I thought so too. I mean it I believe it was formerly known as NHL to Seattle because at the time that was like the NHL is going to go to Seattle. If you go to their websites NHL to uh, but John had mentioned that that they're gonna go through a transition and that again kind of makes sense but they are known as the Sound of Hockey podcast and, uh, yeah, John's going to join us and talk a little bit about, uh, again, uh, what's going on down in Seattle. Uh, cool thing about the, the podcast, like we talk about sort of ownership as sort of being this group of people, you know, somewhere above, uh, John's actually spoken to ownership of the Kraken. So. I mean, Accessible. Yeah. Obviously completely different market, uh, completely different team, um, but I'm going to be uh, a little, uh, honest here. I'm just a bit jealous.
2: Yeah. I will yeah. say, yeah, that's exciting. Um, I wonder if, cause they got a good name, but they had a do over. Like we need an expansion draft for po- podcasting and we can take it back.
1: So when the Vancouver Connects, you know, rebrand to the Vancouver something or others, we'll do that too.
2: Well, I guess we'll no longer be C Four. Yeah,
0: we'll be the something or other podcast.
1: You know, honestly, if and maybe I'm gonna you know sell the secret sauce here. If we had to rename, I'd totally call us the best mediocre connects podcast.
2: No, that's too long. What would you
1: What would you want to rename us to?
2: I don't know. It's hard to say because you kind of love what you have, but yeah. Told you
0: already. It's pulling the Orland curtain
1: back. Oh yeah. That's, okay, that was going to be a segment. And again, our our patrons who turned into our pre-show instead of the anthems, they already knew about this segment idea That's that Matt had.
2: Be an Upcoming segment. Guaranteed. Thing.
1: One of the, one of the thousand other Canucks podcasts out there is going to have their own segment called pulling pulling the Orland curtain back. But uh, here we are wrapping up another solid episode of C Four. Uh, you'll find us back again in two weeks' time for the main show. If you happen to be a patron of ours, remember. Tune in to instead of the anthems before we click record uh, where you get to hear Matt, Anna, and I wax wonderful about who knows what and what knows when. Like, I kid you not. There is absolutely no plan. We hit record. We say hello. And whatever is on our mind, we, we chat about, hey, maybe we'll talk about our favorite landscaping company. <laughs> Four Seasons. Total. Yeah, no, I know what that, mine is. Maybe, maybe that's my favorite hotel. I don't know. Um, But uh, if you happen to be a patron at the listening in or above level, you're going to get C4 off the rails next week. So, again, patrons listening in above, they get weekly content. Uh, Everyone else, we're down to the biweekly until such time as the NHL gives us an idea as to when a return to hockey uh, will occur. But as we look to wrap the episode up, Matt, what final, final and wonderful words of wisdom do you wish to share?
0: Um, I don't think we'll get any clarity on the NHL season starting um, anytime between now and two weeks from now, but the word is that players are going to start arriving back in North America um, within the next little bit uh, in preparation of a supposed season. So um, I don't know, something new to look forward to, I guess, uh, over the next coming months.
1: How about you, man?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot about Jake this episode. I know um the stories are coming in from Kelowna that he's got a new dad. Um, he's moved on from Chris Tanov. Tyler Myers is his new dad, so hopefully we'll come back to a disciplined, like absolutely ripped Jake and he'll be round to go say that every off
0: season at this
1: point.
2: I know, but this time it's different. I'll I don't know why yet. Winter.
1: I've changed. I've changed. Trust me, I've changed. Um as for me, uh no, just yeah, keep on staying safe everyone, stay healthy. Um for those of you who uh you know, are getting worried, uh trust me, I feel you. Know, I am myself concerned, worried, stressed, um anxious. Um this will all eventually pass. Um, we just need to you know remain calm. We gotta stay safe and uh, you know continue to listen to C4, have some fun once in a while. If you do want to have fun and get on all the wacky conversation that take place in Discord, you want to go to discord.io slash c4 podcast, join us in gate 16. Uh, you can hang out, have conversations. It's been quiet as of late, which is interesting, because for a while there, Peter Canuck and Jay. We're essentially lighting a fire every day, which is good fun. I, I enjoy, you know, the back and forth. I know that the two of them may at times feel maybe not the same way, but there isn't anything wrong with, op- you know, opposing opinions. It's just understanding that it's perfectly okay and that an opinion does not mean you are wrong, nor does it mean you are right. Um, Unless you're standing in front of a, place of business between a bookstore and a place to go to the great beyond. Um, But yeah, if you look to tune in for future episodes, you reach this point c4podcast.com will show you our entire back catalog, but hit subscribe in whatever podcast you happen to be listening to the podcast on. That'll just make it a whole lot easier. And if you're really curious, like what is this Patreon stuff they're talking about? Go to c 4 podcast You'll see how you can access instead of the anthems as all patrons do, how you get access to patron chat and discord as all patrons do, and all the different tiers that provide you various different levels of access, including those at the $5 a month and up who get to listen to our patron only show off the rails. So on behalf of the currently unfit to podcast, I'm the car, I'm FOC Mattley at Matley underscore 61 and a four site that E4 through myself, Chris at Life force. We out.